0: Leadcast.
1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Leadcast. I'm Devlin, your host once again, and our episode today is focused on the people here and close to home. Segments on some new teachers and musically gifted students incoming, but for now, we'll be talking about something big. The current principal, Dr. Stanley, is stepping down, and Dr. Early from Congress will be taking his place next year. But is he up for the task? Let's see what he thinks.
2: In episode three of the season, I got the chance to interview Dr. Stanley about him leaving LEAD. Now LEAD obviously needed a new principal, so they appointed Christopher Early, and he'll take the reins of LEAD start of next year. I figured I should follow up my interview with the old principal, by sitting down and talking with a new one so here's the interview hope you enjoy the first thing i asked him was what it was like filling the shoes of dr stanley someone who is so beloved at lead do you feel any pressure
3: yeah it's um i'll be honest it's a little bit intimidating because not only is i think you know i think he's beloved by all he's just a very good person but he literally helped build this place from the ground up. You know, it was a lot of his ideas about the, the overarching philosophy of lead that actually shaped the design of the building. I um, I went to a conference uh, a few weeks ago downtown where he was presenting um, to other educators about the philosophy behind the building, and, and that kind of occurred to me. Like, he literally helped build this place. So um, it is admittedly a little intimidating, um, but... He is helping me out a lot. I feel like I've been over here almost every day this week. Um, I come in for little meetings. We talk. We've been talking a lot on the phone. He's just been incredibly gracious and uh, sharing a lot of good information with me. So I'm going to do my best, but I have some very big shoes to
2: The next question I asked him
3: was still on the topic of Dr. Stanley.
2: I asked him what things Dr. Stanley did that he wanted to make sure he carried over into his principalship
3: at Leeds. You know, I think right now, this, this is such an interesting position for me because I, this will now be my third building where I've been principal. And um, it's safe to say that with the past two buildings, they were in a place where they needed a kind of a transition, they needed some change. Here, while I'm sure there's always room for improvement, and there's always room for better, I think I would literally say I'm, I'm going to be doing just about everything that he's doing because when I talk to our staff and when I talk to the, the students, I think everybody universally agrees that, again, while I'm sure there's always little tweaks we can make, but yeah. it sounds like Lead is working very well. So as far as taking what he's done and moving it in the future, I'm, I'm going to be taking just just about everything right now, and especially as I learn more about the building. And then over time, as I get more feedback, we, we might uh, change a thing here or there, but it just seems like everything's working so well.
2: Now we know that Dr. Stanley stepped down because of the toll that the role was taking on him and his family. I asked Dr. Early if that was anything that he was worried about taking this new job.
3: Um, I think that is a realistic um, toll for any administrator, and you know, I think I think we've all, um, especially through the pandemic, um, I think. I think it's taken a toll on all of us—administrators, teachers, students. I just think that that's a—that's uh, just an understood piece of this, and it's—it's it's never going to be easy. But you know, good things aren't aren't always easy. It's worth it to put in that extra work. So, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly, I, I remember. I know LEED is a very different type of high school, but I still remember what it was like to be a high school administrator, and I think there's some more demands than middle school. So there's part of me that's uh, a little nervous about that. But this also comes at a point in my life where. I gotta say this without getting emotional, but I'm, I'm about to become an empty nester. My youngest son is about to move, move away, and oh, that's breaking my heart. But I'm thinking, you know, this is a time in my life where now suddenly I will have a little bit more time to invest in work. So even if it is a, a pretty heavy toll, uh, Lord knows I'm gonna be missing my kids enough that I'm gonna have some, uh, some time to, to get the work done. Okay.
2: Then I asked him if he looked forward to teaching at Lead, a non traditional school after working 24 years in plain old traditional schools.
3: Well, I, that's everything I'm looking forward to. So here's kind of my interesting experience. When I, even when I taught in a traditional school, um, I had the opportunity to teach a class that I took when I was in high school called TAG. And it was a, uh, at the time, it seemed really, really weird because it was a self-directed project-based class. And when you do that um, in a normal school, people kind of look at you like, what are they doing in there? Like, he's not up teaching the whole time and the kids are doing these strange projects on their own. So obviously, uh, obviously what my experience with project-based learning is not on the scale and scope of LEAD, but I'm just so excited to be in a place where not only is that understood, but it's... It's the underlying philosophy of everything we do. So I just, even though I've been in a uh, traditional building virtually my entire career, I, I have had some experience with project-based learning, and I'm so excited to come here and learn more about it and be a part of it.
2: Yeah. Next I asked him what influenced his decision to come to LEAD instead of staying at Congress, a job which he already liked.
3: I have just missed high school. Um, I am on year 24 in education, and about 20 of those were spent at the high school level. I taught English. I uh, was a high school instructional coach and then an assistant principal and principal. And I just love high school kids. And don't get me wrong. My kids at Congress have been amazing. They are fun. Um, But I think when you go into education, you have certain levels that appeal to you. Some people love the elementary kids. Some people love middle. I have very much missed having engaging conversations with kids about their futures and and what they're going to be doing someday. Because, you know, when you're when you're 12 and you're in middle school, you're not even thinking about what's what's going on in the future. But now that you guys are here in high school, here at Lead, you're definitely having those thoughts about what's the next step. And I love being a part of that process. So that's a that was a big motivating factor to come here.
2: Question I asked them was a pretty simple one. I asked him what the people, students, and staff should look forward to under his principalship.
3: But I think people can look forward to me being very open. I try to be very transparent. I uh, I admit when I make mistakes. I try to, I don't want to lead in isolation. I don't believe in that. I try to gather input uh, from people as much as possible, sometimes too much. Uh, I think if you asked my staff at Congress, they'd say, oh, he always has some survey for us. But... Um, I do that with the intention of, of getting as much feedback from every stakeholder as I possibly can before making big decisions. So I hope, and I, I think this is already pretty well established here, but I hope people can look forward to me just communicating with them and talking with them and seeing what matters to them and what's important, um, because I want to just have that dialogue in, in the best interest of everyone here.
2: Okay. Next I asked him what he would say to reassure the people who think we will be different and not the same after Dr. Stanley
3: leaves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's probably hard to do because again he's, he's very well respected and loved I think my, my uh, words of reassurance are this or these words um, I don't again I, I am already well aware that so much here works really well mm-hmm. sometimes people think when a new principal comes in that that new principal immediately wants to install all their ideas and stuff like that I'm, I'm not that guy um, I want to continue doing all the things that work well which means there's probably not gonna be a ton of change. Now again, as I've said a couple times in this interview, there's always room for improvement. There's always room to gather some feedback and to make an adjustment here or there, but if anybody is nervous that I'm gonna come in here and change what is already awesome, heck no. That is not how I operate. If I know it's awesome, then I'm gonna learn how to support it, not change it. So if anybody is worried about just sweeping changes and maybe lead shifting its philosophies, uh, that is not going to happen. I, my goal, knowing how well things are working, are to come in to, and to maintain those things and then then to slowly start building off them once I learn more.
2: Next, I asked him a pretty simple question. What was his favorite part of teaching?
3: Uh, my favorite part of teaching Before was, was well, I you know, I got to be honest. I'm, I love being a principal, but I do really miss teaching. And my favorite memories of teaching and if you go in my office uh, to this day you'll still see I have pictures of these classes are the class I told you about the the self-directed project-based learning class it, it almost sounds like I'm in an interview right now because I keep mentioning that project-based learning piece yeah. for LEAD you know make, makes it sound like I'm, I'm trying to sound like I'm already connected to LEAD but that that was such a big uh, factor in my life I, I took that same class my junior and senior year of high school and I'll be honest, when I was in high school, I wasn't like a terrible student, but I just didn't really care a lot. I didn't feel connected to school. I didn't feel... I had some stuff going on in, in my personal life and and just, I don't know, school was just like a thing I went and did and I didn't care about it and I didn't care how well I did until I got in that class and until I started having some choice in what I did. And, and I could tell that my teachers were excited about the choices I was making and the things I wanted to do. So, it, again, became very... Very important for me to get to teach that class someday. And when I did, it just, I feel like all my great memories as a teacher were made teaching that class and working with those kids and having that special sort of vibe that I kind of feel here, where we weren't just a class. We were kind of, we had a very strong family vibe going. And we worked through things together. And I was more, instead of being their teacher, I was more of a mentor and a facilitator. Mm-hmm. Which, again, it sounds like I'm trying to plug in that lead yeah. e vocabulary, but mm-hmm. that's the truth. I stepped back, and I, I didn't have to be the, the head guy on the stage all the time. And I was, I was their mentor, and I was their facilitator, and I coached them through problems as they worked on their projects. And that, far and away, was uh, that's a very long way of saying that that was my, my best experience in education.
2: Now, Dr. Early said that his view on school was changed when he took a certain class in high school. And I asked him what he's going to do to help other high schoolers here change their view on school.
3: I I hope that I will do the same things that, well, not only that Dr. Stanley has done, because I know he's done a great job, but I hope I will do some of the same things that my uh, teachers of that class did. And they became important mentors to me, not just only in class, but later in life. Uh, there was a man by the name of Barry Reynolds and he was uh, one of the key teachers of that class and when I went on to teach that class the district assigned him to be my mentor so here I was like this guy's on a pedestal to me he's like the greatest teacher that's ever lived and then he was coming in and watching me teach and we formed this uh, good relationship outside of school where I was constantly going to him and he was just mentoring me on everything even just life in general and I hope and, and he, was, uh, he was honestly not very happy with me when I became a principal. He's like, you belong in the classroom. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciated that compliment, but I had made my decision. And he told me to approach things more like a, a headmaster, which is not just a principal, but also just like a mentor to kids, somebody that can stop and talk to kids in the hall, not about what they're doing in science or math, but maybe just about what they're going through. And that's what uh, I, I have a hunch that Dr. Stanley already does that really, really yeah. well. And I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy that's walking the building, and you guys just approach me and say, "Hey, can we talk about this?" So uh, that's—I think I would honor my mentor by doing that.
2: In the interview with Doctor Stanley, he said that was his favorite part of lead—that walking through the hallways and being able to make those connections with the individual students.
3: Yep, that's what I want to do.
2: Asked him what lessons he learned from his mentor, almost Mister Reynolds,
3: to always listen. He's a fantastic listener. To be patient. uh, To show grace. Um, those those were his hallmarks. I mean, you, nev- you never wanted to let Mr. Reynolds down. He was that teacher. But, you know, when, when you did occasionally fall short, maybe on an assignment or a project you were working on, he was always going to listen to the why. And that, to him, that was, I think, sometimes more important, that reflective piece afterward where you kind of said, okay... I didn't do as great on this as I wanted, and here's why. He valued that reflective piece so much because then you learned to to correct your mistakes next time. So I would like to be able to help kids in that same way. I'd like to listen. I'd like to help them reflect on their processes so they can just get better.
2: Some people don't know that Dr. Uy was actually a teacher for a long time. So I asked him what made him decide to become a principal instead.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. It was never something that was on my radar. Um, I stepped up out of a, out of a need. I wanted to, I wanted to remain in my classroom, but my principal came to me at the time and basically said, look, you've, you've been in this building for a long time. Um, sounds like I'm bragging on myself here. I'm not trying to, but she just said, you've, you've become an important teacher leader and we have an opening and we need you to step up. So I was really reluctant. I was like, no, 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 no. I love teaching. But um, because that building had been so good to me and because I wanted to try to do things to help the staff, I I stepped up to fill the role. It was not something I originally aspired to. Not at all. I was going to teach for all my life. And uh, that said, I don't regret my decision. I love doing it. But yeah, I stepped up because I was approached. Uh, There was a need and I had a, a strong sense of loyalty to my school and I went for it.
2: Him if he thought he would ever return to teaching in the classroom instead of being a principal?
3: Um, maybe it, I, it, it's definitely something that I've discussed with my wife. Um, I don't know, I have to see. I, I, what I really hope is that I love this job so much that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, or at least until I retire. Yeah. Um, but I could, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Mm-hmm. I miss it so much that I could definitely, uh, see myself eventually doing that someday.
2: Ask somehow his wife and family felt about him taking this job.
3: They are really excited, and it's really funny. They, uh, they, are, they have been used to me working in really old buildings all my life. Uh, in fact, uh, the building I worked in in St. Joe before I came to Park Hill turned 100 years old the year I left. Yeah, just super old. So um, I haven't had the chance to bring them inside the building yet, but over spring break, I was like, guys, come on. We're going to show you something. And we drove past lead, and uh, my wife was just like... This is a, this is a school this, you know, and so they, they were just blown away. And I think my wife, um, you know, she's kind of, she's my best friend and also kind of my counselor as much as I've joined my, enjoyed my middle school experience. She's heard me a lot in the evenings, just talk about, you know, I miss, miss some of the stuff I did in tag. I miss high school kids. So when I told her I was doing this, she was like, you know, it's about time. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of, tired of hearing you talk about how much you missed high school. So she was really excited that I'm coming back.
2: Early said that his favorite part of high school was his project-based learning class he took and how much he loved it. So I asked him if he was like a kid in a candy store coming to lead, all giddy and excited, because now that project-based learning is all around him.
3: It, it really is, but I also know that I have a lot to learn because when my version of self-directed um, project-based learning was like these massive big involved projects every quarter. And I know here that that's not always the reality because you guys would be completely overwhelmed Mm -hmm. if in every class you were doing some massive project every quarter. So I have to learn a little bit more about the scope of some of the projects. I was just talking to Dr. Stanley about that the other day. Again, my experience are these huge things and they're, they're a lot of fun, but a lot of work. And I know to a degree some of that goes on, but I also know that there's a little bit of variance there and you, you do some smaller stuff. So I am like a kid in a candy store. I, I'm completely excited, but I also know I can't walk in and expect it to look exactly like my version of project-based learning. I have had a lot to learn. Um, and you know, I'll st- even the first day school starts, I'm still gonna be learning. I'm going to be cramming everything I can this summer. I'm going to be doing some traveling to a, uh, a conference to learn a little bit more about lead. Um, but day one comes and I'm still going to be absorbing and learning every day
2: finished up the interview by asking him if there was anything else he wanted to leave with the people of LEED.
3: I cannot wait to come here and learn with everybody and have a great time. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait.
2: Thank you so much.
3: We
1: all have high hopes for Dr. Early. I think he'll be a great principal. Next up, T.L. will be having a look at the latest actions or plans by the Park Hill School District in response to the labor shortage.
4: Growing up wanting to be an educator and being in the Aspiring Educators program, I was wondering where the direction of education was heading, so I decided to take a look. I chatted with Dr. Kaiser, HR Director at District Office, and Sharika Barnes, a newly elected board member. Here's what they had to say.
5: My name is Shrika Barnes. I am the newly elected school board member, and the school board does governance of the district and implements policy. I have worked in education before. I taught pre-K and kindergarten for 10 years, so I very much understand what it's like for teachers and having administrators back you and having to spend money out of your own pocket. Just understanding the complications of parent Um, teacher-student dynamic you know and just wanting the best for your students.
4: What are you most excited for on the Board of
5: Education? I'm most excited for first off is that it's more diverse Um, I just think that that gives everybody a sense of belonging and inclusion in the process. I'm also excited about where the school district wants to go and the vision that they have with their DEI plan with the we're getting ready to implement a new five-year long-term plan which is exciting to make sure that um, everybody feels included in the process teachers administrators students and the community so i just am excited to see where this can go and and how we can um, continue to make park hill an outstanding district
4: going off of that what importance do you think diversity holds in education
5: Very much important. I know that there's a statistic that says that by third or fourth grade, if a child has had a teacher of color, a student of color has a teacher of color, they are 95 percent more likely to graduate high school. So I think that they just want to make sure and it, it feels like you belong or like you can have someone to look up to you know, or someone who you feel can understand something that you're going through. And I think that just helps everybody. And then it helps the students that don't look like the teacher too, right? Because then you get viewpoint and ideas from someone different that you've never heard of before or didn't even know that was possible. My biggest goal, I would love to make sure we're always transparent with the community, with the students, with the staff, just making sure that information coming from us is not like a third hand or second hand or somebody heard something down the line. And I think part of that is just continuing with the live streaming of the board meeting and even the work sessions. But I think also we have some great people in our district who are masters in their fields. Like we have some great engineers and we have some great medical professionals. So when we need to go into implementing different policies and procedures, we just passed this big bond where we have to fix all these new schools. I mean, you know, build a new school and fix older schools. Like we have engineers, we have people who are in the field out there. Like maybe we need to organize some community committees and say, come in, Tell us what you think is wrong and where we could do better, right? Before we just have it because they're invested, right? And if we invest in the community and have and hear the community voices, I don't think we get so much backlash. I think most challenging is that I'm just one voice and regardless of the vote, like it's always the majority and I have to um, go with whatever the majority states, right? I can't like be like, no, this is horrible. Like, I mean... If the board votes and decides that this is a direction that they're going to do, then I have to stand with whatever decision that the board makes, regardless of what my vote may be in the
4: process. And
5: and I think that people need to understand that.
4: In the COVID pandemic, we've seen an increase of teacher burnout and resignation. What do you think the district and the board can do to increase teacher retention?
5: Well, some of the things just being a former teacher is like always feeling like you have my back. Right. Like because I mean, getting those emails from parents at nine, ten o'clock at night and they're upset and, you know, teachers go home and they have families, you know, they need downtime. So parents giving teachers grace and understanding that they might not respond to that till seven, eight o'clock the next day. That doesn't mean they didn't see your email. That just means that they're doing their family time too and i think having making sure that they feel valued in that i think also just mental health for teachers and students too but especially teachers like it's been hard right doing online like i've talked to a lot of my former friends who are educators and so how do you keep like six-year-olds focused on zoom like before we came back into schools, and so just the creativity that it takes for teachers to do a lot of things like especially the elementary kids like they haven't had a school play yet till now like they haven't had like a lot of the big things that other kids have had right and so just helping them understand that process and making sure that they feel valued in that right and I think a part of that too is like mental health days like for them to use their days however they want to use like they shouldn't have to quote unquote call in on a sick day because they want to go to their kid's field trip right like if they have 10, 15 days, whatever, the, whatever it is, they should be able to use those days however they see fit to use those days because they've earned it.
4: First, can you provide your name, title, and a brief description of what you do? Yeah,
6: uh, Linda Kaiser. I am the Director of Human Resources here at Park Hill School District. And so I get involved with all manner of hiring, interviewing, primarily support staff, but also teachers. And I work closely with our assistant superintendent of HR on just onboarding and everything related to just providing what our people, what our humans, need at Park Hills School District to have a great work environment.
4: What kind of qualities do you look for when hiring new
6: educators? I look for, this is going to sound really strange, because there's probably a thousand things that go into this. But I look for something that I call bright eyes, and I think it relates to passion, but Also, not just blind passion, like, you know, I really like to work with kids, but people that have taken that passion to a step that, where they have gotten training, education, they've put themselves in multiple situations where they are actively getting experience, you know, and practicing their craft, and just working really hard at being a, a, a teacher or an education professional It's going to work not just with kids, but work effectively with kids, but also love it at the same time.
4: Do you see less people applying to work for the district than usual, like in this school year?
6: Yes, Uh, you know, the last two years, right? (laughs) (laughs) COVID has definitely impacted our our applicants at, at every level. But I think what we're also seeing as a national trend is less people going into the field of education as a whole and that's a concern. That's a concern for everyone.
4: Do you see an increase in teacher resignation at this point in the school year?
6: No, our resignations right now are about the same. They're they're not different than what we than what we've had. You know, I think we're very fortunate in Park Hill School District. We're considered to be a district, a destination district. People aspire to come to teach here. They they work toward that as part of their professional career. So I think we're a little bit buffered in our experience in that area.
4: So do you think at some point in the future this buffer will dissipate? Well, I certainly hope not.
6: You know, we, we are actively working you know, to make sure that we can provide good opportunity for teachers so that they'll still want to come to teach here at Park Hill. And I think that we will experience on some level what all districts and and education as a profession experience. If there are less people going into education, we are going to feel that. But we might not feel it quite as strong as what some other districts might. But we still have to actively put systems into place to make sure that you know, we attract people like possibly yourself, you know, with things like the Aspiring Educators Program, and you know, that those kinds of things I think are game changers for us.
4: A study from the National Education Association showed that 55% of educators are thinking about leaving their profession earlier than they had anticipated, and this has been, like, represented by a significant increase since August by actually, like, 37%. Right. So, do you agree that this could be something that we would see in the future? Well, like I said, I certainly hope not. But we, <laughs> we, we track data
6: like crazy at Park Hill School District. So I'm going to keep our eye on, on that. Um, I, I think that what we would probably go to in reaction to that, if we, that became a concern for us, it's trying to find more ways to get people into alternative certification programs and supporting them, possibly some scholarship opportunities and, and that kind of thing. So
4: are there ways that the district is staying competitive for new hires?
6: Yeah, I, we certainly look at our salaries every year and make sure that we are competitive. It has always been the direction of our board for Park Hill School District to have a competitive way to structure um, the bond issue that we've got coming up for a vote on April 5th. If you'll notice that there's a portion of that that is specifically, you know, not earmarked for salaries but will help support a strong-
4: Could you explain that a little bit further?
6: Sure, and so we have two pieces to the, you know, to the vote on April 5th. Part of it is for like uh, buildings and, and things like that. For example, a 12th elementary school. But the other part of that is to support more operational costs, like staffing and salaries and, and things like that. So, um, and, and so we have to, you know, we're, the vote is whether or not we can pass one or none or, or both. And we'll find out on April 5th. So, um, you know, we're a little bit worried about that because we, you know, there is a possible scenario in which we may get a new building, you know, building passed but then not have the funds to staff it, <laughs> you know. So um, so we'll see what happens on April 5th and what the voters, you know, are, are willing to support here in our community. Now in the past our community has always been very supportive and so, but we'll see what, what they say this time around.
4: Are there things that the district is doing currently to keep like current teachers and staff not only teachers, but like administrators and support staff satisfied with their jobs? I think,
6: I think everyone, regardless of the position, just wants to feel supported and, and cared about and in, in, in any job that they do. And I don't think that's just necessarily an education. And so, particularly as we're coming out of a pandemic, which was incredibly stressful, we are putting in more mental health Supports so just um, as some of the things that we've we've done during the pandemic, we took a lot of things off the plate just to help teachers just focus on just just teach you know because that was that was hard enough and so we cut back and cut out professional development training meetings I mean a whole bunch of things Um, this year we added in a extra day off that we hadn't originally planned on with that was president's day Mm. just as a just as a way of giving a a day of down time that everybody needed including students I mean you know we just realized that we hadn't built in a break from winter break all the way to spring break and that was a really long time to go um, during a, a, a stressful time the pandemic was really Uh, during part of that time was very stressful for everybody. So we built in President's Day. We just added that in as a day off. Uh, We also have health coaches that are free to our staff that they can take advantage of. We have free counseling that they can take advantage of if they need that. Um, We have actually a very strong wellness program here. So we have a fitness center for our staff downstairs and uh, we do wellness checks every year. We do free flu shots. We did free vaccination for COVID for anybody that was interested. Uh, we do free COVID testing. So, you know, we've tried really hard to just meet our people wherever they were, but then offer a wide variety of things so they could tap in wherever they felt like, you know, they needed support.
4: That's awesome. And that's really important, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I focus mainly on educators, but also within support staff. We faced a subbing issue at the beginning of the year, and we had to shut down for a couple days. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that you are staying competitive with subbing, specifically?
6: Yeah, we, um, we are looking at our substitute pay rates right now, along with some other pay rates. And so, depending on the result of that vote on April 5th, we're hoping to be able to adjust our substitute pay rates to be even more competitive, but we'll see. Awesome. If if that vote doesn't pass, then, I mean, we'll do what we can, but we won't have the funds available to do maybe as much as we might otherwise.
4: Is there anything else you'd like to add?
6: You know, I think that we are very blessed. We have such high quality staff. We have the best teachers. We have, at every level, I think the best staff. And so, I've, I've always been, whenever anybody asks me what is the best thing about Park Hill, is so I'm talking to a candidate or I'm talking to somebody that's thinking about coming to work here, they say, why, why do you stay? What, what's the best thing? I always say is the people. And not just the people that work in Park Hill, but the community surrounding the people that work on Park Hill, you know, really is a, a, you know, no place is ever perfect, but this place is really, really good. And if you've been in other places than I have, you can, you see that, you, you see the commitment of our staff. So
1: uh, I'm very proud of the work there. Really. There's a reason that Park Hill is one of the best, but it also has a lot to do with the students. Creativity is in no short supply here, and we'll be having a look at some poetry and creative writing picked by Anna.
7: This segment is to show a few examples of students' creative writing. In this case, it is particularly poetry. I will begin by myself, Brianna Laswell, reciting a poem I wrote, and then move on to one written by James Fails, and finally a piece written by Vince Greathouse. This is my piece entitled, Why Me? Why me? The messy hair, the nicked nail polish, the dirty clothes covering the floor, the cracked phone screen, the cold hands, the hella kitty plushies and ever-changing infatuations, the missing motivation, the walls with my brain spread out on them, the daily calls and constant conversations, the poetry sent to you. You fell in love with the way she looks at you, the way she smiles when she's around you, the way she kisses you, the way she makes you laugh, the way she hugs and holds you, the way she kisses your cheeks and forehead. The way she expresses herself through pretty words she can't quite get right. You fell in love with me. Now on to James's piece.
8: My name is James Fales and this is my piece Spring Has Always Sprung. Every year as spring had sprung, as the snow faded and the dawn chorus sung, my head remained hung for the new birth had become jaded. Every day practically the same, what would mere flowers ever change? Spring had come to take its claim, but Winter's Wrath put its beauty to shame, a truly and sorely sorely disenchanting exchange. A sight for Sir Eyes to the blind would be awful majestic, but this moment would surely leave its mark. For months, I wouldn't have even considered it realistic. But then came a song sung on acoustic, that gives the heart and mind real spark, finally and once more removed from its own dark. This new light had given me a power the same way as someone had given me a shove, but may my heart no longer play sour for the blooms ran over me in such a sh- for the flowers bloom ran over me in such a shower, as a season once removed became again within the hour, the season of love once more.
7: And
9: finally, Vinces. My name is Vincent and this is a piece I wrote titled Mania. Mania is young but not too young. He's 15, maybe 16. He acts too bold, does things he's too young for. He's loud and so happy. He can reach the sky. His small room is messy. He's never in it, so he never notices. He sleeps in his car or on the couch of some living room or wherever he falls. I don't need sleep, he shouts with shadows like bruises under his eyes. Mania lost his job and his friends too. He was so loud and too old for a 15, maybe 16 year old. He looks like neon yellow with bright saturated eyes and pupils so small you can't see them. He forgets his meds and his schoolwork and forgets to breathe. A blood pressure of of 201 and shaking and laughing and bright. To everyone, mania is dangerous, but not to them. When mania finally wakes up, he's himself again. He can't remember the job, the messy room, the blood pressure of of 201, why no one's talking to him. And he can't say sorry, because what did he do? And then he's mania again, and he does it all over.
1: Well, there's some food for the intellectual mind. You know, being forced to decode the meaning of a work makes it mean that much more to you when you do. And with poetry, go back, listen to it again. You'll always hear something new. This next segment is about the reality of our teachers' struggle with COVID-19. Hey, this
10: is Adrian back again to talk more about COVID and education. Today, we will be interviewing Miss Poppy Lee. She's a math teacher here at Leeds and has been a teacher for quite some time. Let's go get her perspective on how COVID has affected her teaching. Uh, We are here with Ms. Lee. Uh, Let's go and jump into this. So how has COVID affected your teaching methods?
9: Honestly, COVID really hasn't affected my teaching methods at all. Like I'm still the same teacher I feel like I was several years ago um, before the pandemic hit. My methods haven't changed. I still try to be engaging with my students, try to motivate them, try to make math as fun as possible. I guess the one little bit that has changed is just providing a little bit more grace and maybe try to make activities more engaging than I did before, but definitely the grace piece because I feel like when the pandemic hit and going through online learning and then going through hybrid here at LEED and students over the past couple of years, I feel like students almost got this sense that it's okay to be a little bit lazier, some of them, and maybe take things a little bit slower, and we really, where deadlines maybe didn't matter, so we really need to kind of help change that mindset a little bit and get students back reengaged. Now, that's not every student. I just feel like there's so much going on and so many students had to deal with so many things throughout the pandemic, and students lost loved ones, students had people affected by COVID that grace definitely became part of something that further developed my teaching methods but as far as being the teacher that I was before and now I don't really feel like that's changed a huge a a great deal.
10: So has COVID made you think differently about teaching and like your views on it?
9: Um, Again similar to question number one my views really haven't changed I still want to motivate I still want to engage I still want students to love math and, and gain that fun sense of learning about it and be able to move on to the next level with confidence and ease but bringing that grace piece in there I think is a big piece through it and just working with students on making sure we're doing what we need to do and trying to keep them engaged throughout our learning experience together I think is a big thing
10: so when online learning was first announced how did you react like what were your first thoughts
9: Oh my gosh I was so scared I was so nervous like how am I going to teach math to students like okay, I'm going to get online every day, and everybody's going to be excited to Zoom, and we're going to have these amazing Zoom lessons together, and the students are going to be doing math. And then, yeah, that didn't happen, as most people are aware. So, it kind of was, it was a hard, hard shock to my system, I feel like, because I was so used to being in the classroom and teaching students and engaging them. And so, when we first started online learning, I kind of had to pivot a little bit. And I hate to use that word, because I feel like Pivoting is so overused right now, but that's exactly what we did. So yeah, it was kind of scary and exciting all at the same time when we're, hey, we're online learning. But now it's like looking back, it's like, we did it. We made it happen. We made adjustments. We got through it. teachers definitely had to take a deeper look into ourselves and be like, okay, how are we going to get kids engaged? How are we going to keep them going and motivated and try to find different and unique ways to do that when we're online, when we're at our homes or in the buildings and they're at home. So it's definitely been a learning experience for all of us, I feel like.
10: All right. so how does all of like those thoughts compare to like now?
9: Again, I don't feel like I've changed my teaching pedagogy. I still am who I am but bringing that piece of grace in and trying to keep students engaged in the classroom now, I feel like after a a whole quarter of strictly online learning at home and then going to three quarters of a year of hybrid mode and now everybody's in school for a full year all at the same time, like I feel like there's definitely been adjustments made. So that grace piece definitely comes back into play and making sure that students aren't used to sitting in classes all day every day they were used to sitting in hybrid mode or sitting at home so having that opportunity to try to find different ways to get them up and moving throughout the block try to find different activities to do i feel like i've definitely grown in that area
10: gotcha so how would you say that like how would you say that teaching three years ago compares to like now
9: um, definitely need to try to find more engaging activities. I feel like I'm still the teacher who I am. I still try to motivate and keep things going. But yeah, definitely try to try to keep kids engaged more than I did in the past because of what they've been through the last three years. All right. Um, is there
1: anything else that we missed that you'd want to go back to?
9: No, I right. appreciate it. Thank you, Adrian. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks, Miss
1: Well, I can say it's never a dull moment when we have teachers like Miss Lee. Now we'll focus on more student talent. Spencer set out to ask a musician about their inspirations and musical opinions.
11: Hello and welcome to the segment where we dive deep into Leeds students' musical expertise. Today, I am joined by Nick. Introduce yourself.
12: I'm Nick. I play guitar, bass, I do vocals, I also am a songwriter, and yeah.
11: I know you can play bass. Can you play any other instruments?
12: Uh yeah, I can play guitar. I thought about playing drums before. Uh and I used to be able to play the harmonica and accordion.
11: Are you thinking of learning any other instruments?
12: Uh I was thinking about learning the drums actually.
11: Personally, I think it'd be really fun to learn drums because there's some songs like uh, One Beer by MF Doom that the drum solo is so f- yeah. Mm. Now I heard that your favorite type of music is grunge. Is that correct?
12: That is correct. I I love grunge, the whole 90s era. It's uh it's just some very talented
11: and great music. So are you saying your favorite bands are like Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Foo Fighters, all those? Yeah. I mean, there's
12: Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, uh the Smashing Pumpkins, Radiohead. They're there's so many to name because the uh, 90s grunge movement was so big and you had so many bands getting picked up after the success of Nirvana's 1991 album uh, Nevermind. It was, it was really insane. Oh, I love that the, uh, there's a recent surge of Something in the Way which is the closing track of the album due to Batman but I'm, I'm really happy that it's coming back.
11: Have you ever thought of creating your own songs?
12: Oh yeah, I have... I have almost two and a half full-length albums written already.
11: Are you currently in a band? Yeah. How many members?
12: There are two, me and uh, Noah.
11: Have you ever thought of turning music into a serious career?
12: Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm planning to go to college in uh, Washington, in the University of Washington. That's located in Seattle um, for Audio-Technical Engineering.
11: Sounds very interesting. What led you to making the decision of choosing to go to the University of Washington?
12: Well, they have a really good music program, and their school is a very high honor. They have about a 50% acceptance rate, and they don't require high SAT and ACT scores but it's very prestigious.
11: Are there any recognizable alumni that went to that school?
12: Uh, Not that I can think of right at the top of my head, but I'm sure there was.
11: How would you start off your career after graduating university?
12: I'd probably start touring and getting shows at different venues, not trying to go to like the big venues, but, you know, going to uh, little restaurants or Bars, travel the world, see everything like that, go play in interesting places.
11: Have you ever thought of expenses and how you'd pay for that?
12: Expenses, honestly, they wouldn't be that much of a problem because if you just get an old van, a thousand dollars for food over the whole course and gas, uh, you can just load up all your instruments, all your clothes and uh, just hit the road. It's, it's honestly really not that expensive for uh, your income. And it's, uh, it, ver- it levels out pretty nicely.
11: That sounds very nice. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, no
12: problem. Thank you for having me.
1: You know, my mom says it's always a trip to see what people who you went to high school with are doing 20 years later. Some become power plant inspectors, some become rock stars, but many people feel at home at school, or they simply enjoy teaching. In this case, we'll be looking at a new teacher to lead and how their experiences compare to teaching elsewhere.
13: Welcome back to a new episode of New Students and Teachers. It's Mikayla and Jersey, and we're back with it.
14: My name is Dana Smith, I teach special education at LEAD Innovation Studio. My name is spelled D-A-N-A-S-M-I-T-H.
13: What inspired you to become a teacher?
14: I was inspired to become a teacher probably mostly by my mother. She was a teacher for over 30 years and I spent a lot of time as a child in her classroom like in the summer helping her to get her classroom ready, get, you know, because she was an elementary teacher, get games and stations and things set up. So I just grew up around school all the time.
0: Okay. Who had the biggest impact on your life when it came to dreams?
14: I would say that my parents had the biggest impact. Um, They always taught me that if I wanted to do something that I could do it. I just needed to work really hard at it. Um, And that's just something that I have kept in my psyche.
13: Out of all districts, why did you choose to come here to Park Hill?
14: I chose to come to Park Hill because um, I had a few friends that had left my previous district and come here and they had told me how impressed they were with LEAD Innovation Studio and I really liked the idea that Park Hill was embracing innovation, embracing technology, and I wanted to be part of that.
0: How was it changing your teaching style from traditional high school to LEAD?
14: So I taught both in traditional and in more of a flexible, like, um, project-based manner before I came here. So um, just changing from traditional to project-based was different for me because I had already taught for, um, like, 15 years before I did, um, like, a more project-based. And it just changed um, kind of who I am as a teacher in some ways to not be the person that holds all the information, but to be the person that facilitates students' learning and finding information for themselves. Um, and so that was giving up some control, so that was kind of difficult, but also really invigorating to see kids being the, the leader in their education and in their learning.
13: How do you make students feel comfortable when they come into your classroom for the first time?
14: Um, always with a smile, welcoming them as they're coming in, getting to know them. Um, My favorite part of the job is getting to know kids and getting to see them be successful. So to me, it's not hard to welcome people. It's just part of who I am and um, just really getting to know them and caring about their families, their interests. Um, And always, I always want my students to know that I'm excited that they're there. If they miss a day that next day, I'm like, I missed you. And, you know, really make a big deal out of it because, they're part of my class, they're part of my family. So,
0: so you mentioned that you knew some teachers in the particular School District at Lee. Who are those teachers? Um,
14: so, first off, Miss Waters was my, one of my administrators in a previous district. Um, Mr. Miscavige, what I taught with him um, at Platte County. I taught with Ms. Schmer at Platte County, and I taught with um, uh, Ms. Jenkins at Platte County. So, there's several of us that have taught together that all came down here and were having fun down here as well.
13: What were your feelings when you first moved here and started meeting new teachers? Um, I was
14: excited to meet new teachers. I was a little nervous. Um, We think about kids being nervous uh, when they're meeting new people, but adults are too. And so I was just nervous about fitting in and finding kind of my niche and my group of people that I could um, be like-minded with and share ideas with and collaborate with. And I have really found that here. So everyone was really, really friendly and um, welcoming. So yeah.
0: So, since you moved schools a lot, how did that impact your teaching career? Uh, being, teaching at
14: different schools definitely has impacted my teaching, and I think it's made me a better teacher. Um, so we've moved a few times because of my husband's job. So I've taught in Iowa, I've taught in Texas, and then I taught at Platte County, and then I came here to Park Hill. Um, What that has helped me with is to see different perspectives. So I've even taught in different parts of the country so I can see different teaching styles and learning styles Mm -hmm. and get different ideas from all over and just kind of a mishmash, put them together, and it kind of makes a successful teacher, I think, Um, just pulling ideas from other people.
13: How do you like using Summit?
14: I really like it a lot. Uh, It was a learning curve for me, I admit, so I came to summer training and uh, with the other new teachers like with Ms. Jenkins and uh, Mr. Dishman and them and we had a really fun time together and learned a whole bunch. And then you kind of also just get thrown into it too and you have to figure out how to use it. And my students have honestly been some of the biggest helpers uh, for me getting used to Summit. But I love the organization of it. I love being able to just look at my students and see where they are in all their classes. I like the color coding because it's quick and easy to look at. Um, I'm still learning, but I've also been offered, the nice thing they do here is they offer um, trainings for fall and spring for first and second year teachers in Summit. So I've been using those to to go and get more information from Summit. So I, I, I do, I really like it.
0: Do you like the idea of having the same group of students for the whole high school
14: for CT? Yeah. Yeah, I love having my mentor students. Um, they're so fun. I feel like I know so much about them, and they may think it's unfortunate, but they know so much about me as well and my family just because we tell stories. And, um, yeah, I, I just feel like I know them so well, and I enjoy them. So, yeah, I, I love the idea that we can all be really close, and you have that person that you guys can always go to um, if you need something or if you just want to talk or whatever.
13: What would you do if one of your students was having like a really bad day and was down? How do you comfort?
14: Yeah, comforting them, yeah, just talking to them. If they're in a place where they want to talk, because we have students, some of them, that it helps them to talk and get through it, and some of them want to be left alone, and that's okay, too. And so it's getting to know them and knowing kind of what works best for them, but always checking in no matter what. Are you okay? Can I help you? What can I do? I mean, just had that yesterday—a student that was upset about something—and it was like, you know, telling them, "I'm really sorry that you're feeling like this." And is there something that I can do? What? Could, let's brainstorm. What can I do to help you? Can I find? If I can't help you, can I find someone that can help you? Um, and talking that through—and I think sometimes that just helps, knowing that someone cares about you.
0: What made you want to teach special education rather than any other class?
14: So, that started when I was a senior in high school. So, when I was a senior in high school, I had this free period basically where I would go to one of the elementary schools and I would help in their office, which you wouldn't think, like, how is that related to special education? But, what ended up happening was the special education teacher at that building would happen to come in and bring her students in that hour a lot when i was there and so i really got to know them and just love them so much and i just and that teacher also inspired me a lot too she she was incredible teacher and so i watched her and her interactions with the kids and the way the kids were learning and just developing and i just thought it was so neat and so that's kind of what prompted me to go into special education.
13: Did you ever second like have a second thought about wanting to go in?
14: I did have a second thought so this is embarrassing but I'll tell you guys anyway because it's part of learning. My freshman year of college I did not make all the best decisions about going to class all the time and some of my grades were not where they should be for my scholarships and so I remember I came home from for Christmas break and my parents were disappointed let's say in my performance and it was one of those conversations that and my parents are very frank people and that's kind of how I am too it was like listen you get your act together and you get your grades up or you got to think of something else you're going to do because we're not going to pay for this and it was like okay so I do remember that Christmas break thinking well what else could I do and I was like I thought of all these different jobs and I thought I don't want to do that I don't want to do that like I'm going to be a teacher this is what I'm going to do and so Pull yourself together, girl. Get, a, get going. And that's what I did. And so I do appreciate their frankness, and that's how I raise my kids, too, and tell them the truth, but be kind about it, you know. So I wavered a little bit, but I got myself back on track, and this is my 22nd year of it, so it seems to have worked
0: out
7: okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I don't have any more questions. I can't think of any more. So thank you for letting us interview you. You are so welcome.
1: Well, Lead is certainly a unique school. How many other schools have their own podcast? Thanks for tuning into the LEEDcast, and this is our second to last episode. We're nearing the end of the school year, so our next episode will be about the graduating seniors for Class 2022. You'll have a nice day, a nice night, and until next time.